Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. With me always is Jason. What's going on, man? I am doing fantastic, Brian. How are you today? I'm good. I'm really good. Um, I uh, I don't know what shows are coming up. Do we have show alerts? Do we have something? Oh, <laughs> I yes. Well, wait a minute. What it would what, what date is this that we're having this come out? <laughs> uh, it's in November, after, right? Yeah, the Friday after Halloween, whatever, whatever. The, oh, that, so, so if it, today is the Friday November? after Halloween. So we're stuck in Thursday, the time machine. <laughs> we're we're stuck in the time machine. So hold on. We're we're gonna we're gonna play this game the time because who knows when we are actually recording. Thursday, November third. I just saw, and I can't give a report yet, Scotty Bratcher and other podcast guests, Aaron Coburn, perform um, uh, in Dayton, Ohio. They both were on a bill together to perform a rock show. And on the next episode, you will hear about it. Yeah, I saw, you know, I saw the video that you shared of Aaron jumping around on stage with, uh, with her guitar, with her band. A lot of energy. She told us, like when we interviewed her, that she gets down on her knees, jumps around, and having that smaller, that lighter guitar helps. And looking at that video, you can you can see why. The Stein, Stein, Steinberger? No, not Steinberger. The uh, Strand, Strand, something Strandberg. Strand. Strandberg. Strandberg. There we go. Guitar. Swedish. But you will know have to know is i'm doing an on-site interview short interview with both aaron and scotty that will be on a later episode at the same time that that will be awesome to to hear that um so you know being a female artist that somewhat ties into our guest who does play with a female artist and coincidentally enough plays with a band that uh we mentioned with our Halloween guest from last week. It's yeah. a good theme. It's a it's a good segue, you know, to the to to we have on today from our Halloween episode guest. Yeah, from Ace Von Johnson, formerly of Faster Pussycat, to Sam Bam Colton, currently in Faster Pussycat and playing plays guitar with Dorothy. Yep, and has another band called Butterside, B U D D E R S I D, not Butter butter side so brian we you and i've talked about this we wanted to have sam on for a while we both dig faster pussycat and dorothy you know dorothy really has those elements of southern rock and blues and a little bit of that the um what are we calling that genre a little not nostalgia rock but like that classic rock 
ish sound about her. Of course, Faster Pussycat has been around a while. They have a lot of good blues inspired songs and riffs. And Sam is a really a young dude who got picked to play in Faster Pussycat. You'll hear from our previous guest, Ace Von Johnson, they are friends. And then, you know, also how he got to basically be in Dorothy. So you'll hear all that as this young dude has really made his way in the music scene and, and been really, I think he might be known, Brian, I think he might probably be known as one of the go-to picks to play guitar for somebody. Yeah, you'll find out how uh, diverse uh, of a player of music that Sam is and his knowledge of, you know, <clears throat> all kinds of different kind of music, kind of rock and roll and, uh, how he was playing early, in bars at like 12 or something. How early stupid. he started out, too. Yeah. Quite uh, incredible. And um, a great gear talk segment on this. We really got into a good discussion. For those of you that love gear, I think you're going to enjoy it. And he kind of reminded me of Dylan from Magno, Magnolia Bayou. <laughs> he did have Brothers a little bit of mother. Dylan. <laughs> yep. All right, you guys. Uh, kick back, relax, and listen to our conversation with Sam Bam Colton from Faster Pussycat, Dorothy, and Butterside. Guest segment of the podcast, James is going to introduce our guest to all you guys out there. Brian, you always know I'm excited to introduce the guests. I'm especially excited when we get to talk to guitar players because you know how much I love playing guitar. Uh, I got a dude that's a young dude that's all over the place. He's like in every band, I'm pretty sure, like 90% of the bands I've seen this year, he plays guitar. And it's Mr. Sam Bam Colton from Dorothy, Faster Pussycat, and Butterfield. How are you doing, Sam? I'm good. How are you? We're good, good. We're good. How's everything in LA? It's going good. I've only been here for uh, a couple days. I got home on Saturday, I think. And uh, <clears throat> then I have to leave again and fly out for a few shows and then do another little run at the end of this month. But it's great to be home and finish, uh, finish moving into my new place. Right on. Right on. Well, and that on, was let's... Dorothy, right? You just finished, yes. right? The Dorothy tour? Yeah, with Dirty Honey. With Dirty Honey. It was a blast. Those guys are so much fun, and it was such a great time. Cool. Yeah, cool. we just had John and Mark on, what, Brian, about a month ago, maybe? Yeah, right, before like the that, yeah. right before the tour started, I believe. Oh, awesome. I love them both. John is so funny and such a good <laughs> guitar player. And oh, uh, yeah. Mark, Mark just is killer. That voice. Um, yeah. So we usually just start, like, just let us know, like, how you got into music and then, you know, at what point you started playing professionally and then go on from there. Uh, well, I got into music uh, at first, I guess, from a really, really young age when I was a, a kid, uh, but really got into playing guitar when I was about 10 years old. And I saw a TV show called Rockstar NXS and oh, yeah. guitar player in the house band, uh, Rafael Moreira. Uh, was just to me just 
the coolest. And he had like every Gibson guitar imaginable, which I'm working on in the rack next to me. Here. I'm sure I'm and, sure I'm getting collecting a couple here. You know, I'm trying to get mine going. Nice. And uh, yeah, so that that show just I was hooked then. So I started playing guitar and started taking lessons. And shortly after that, uh, formed my first band uh, and then started playing in bars when I was 12, going really? to open mic night type things and playing a bunch of, you know, stuff throughout the night. And that was... kind of led to wow. playing. In... That were... That's Sam. I'm sorry to stop you. That's not, you're not the first person in the last couple months that started playing guitar in bars at 12. We just had Aaron <laughs> Coburn on from Cincinnati, Ohio, who, Started at 12 as well. What is it? 12? What is being 12 and playing in bars? What is that? And how are you able to play in bars at that age? Uh, so I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. So, oh, so they... there's no rule in St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> no child labor laws, nothing. Yeah, they don't give a crap. No, uh, yeah, they were always really, really cool because uh, my parents were really supportive and would come with me. So my, my dad would come and uh, my parents don't drink. I've never drank ever. So wow. uh, that was not like a thing. I was literally just there to get to play. And uh, most people in the music community were really supportive of that because they're really, uh, I guess now in St. Louis, uh, there's a bunch of kids and stuff that'll go out to bars and play. But back when I did it, that kind of wasn't like some of the bars I was playing, it wasn't really like a normal thing that wasn't there yeah. um so the everybody was really really nice supportive and that kind of led to me starting to do gigs in bars and then started hosting like the open mic night thing so i would know you'd have to know a lot of songs because people would sign up it's not really like i don't know if you guys know these um la jams that used to happen but there were these different ones and they they have set lists and everything and they're kind of worked out shows because it's Los Angeles and it's got to be like that. But all these jams, people would just sign up and would be like, Oh, you know, can I do uh, Barracuda and roadhouse blues? It's like, okay, you got to kind of like, hopefully know them. Um, so yeah, then that's led to doing gigs by the time I was 15 and 16. And then I moved to LA when I was 18 to go to school. So I want to, there's a lot to unpack there. I want to go back with your start. Yeah, Rockstar in excess. Did you just watch that show because you're interested in music? Were you an in excess fan? You uh, had to be parents, pretty young because I remember that was like the early 2000s, right? I was 2005. Okay. So it was when I was 10. Um, and my parents liked in excess. So they were, Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. They were aware of it. And when, you know, we just started watching it as a family and I was like, Oh, this is really cool. Uh, everything about it. Really. They were all living in a house in LA and it was all, you know, taking place in LA. And I just thought it was really cool. Oh, for sure. So that spurred you on, hey, guitar player, cool. I like the look of his guitarist. I want to pick this thing up, start playing. And two years later, you're in a bar in St. Louis. Basically, yeah, basically. Started playing when I was 10, and I guess 
from what I hear, I guess it came pretty naturally. It's always felt really natural and started learning songs and taking lessons and trying to learn. So what's that like for you at 18 years old, moving to Los Angeles? Like, like take us through that. Well, at first I was like, kind of unsure. I was coming here to, to go to Musicians Institute, which is a college for music. And at first kind of leaving St. Louis was, was a crazy thing. Like, ah, you know, leaving home and leaving where I had gigs and stuff. But then coming to LA, it was, it was, I guess, a bit of a culture shock. Cause I was like, oh, at first, not really playing out. I started doing gigs, but it was not the same kind of thing. So it wasn't in St. Louis. I was playing five to six nights a week from nine to one doing the four hour. While you were in school? While I was in high school. Yeah. And the, so moving to LA, uh, it was, I mean, I say that like I was unsure of it just because of those things, but everything about it, I've always loved LA. I was like, it's, it's always been the dream to live here. So now fast forward, being able to, you know, still be living here is, is just like, you know, it's, it's incredible, but yeah, it was, it was a different thing. It was really a, a little bit scary, I guess, but really exciting at the same time. So being at Musicians Institute, does that make it any uh, easier to get a gig or uh, more opportunities or things posted there not not really uh there's there's somebody associated with the school who would sometimes have have some gigs and stuff but for for me at least it was all about going out here sitting at the school and you know learning things was awesome because I learned a bunch of stuff that I really wouldn't have been able to learn anywhere else. And you're, you have incredible teachers at your disposal, but as far as getting gigs and stuff, it was all about going out to these different nights that were happening in LA and meeting people and hanging out and eventually getting the jam and then eventually getting jam with other people. And then that led to, you know, different gigs, which, and every gig leads to something else. Right on. Did you, uh, when you got there and you stayed there, that did you come across some of the other, you know, people from that bands there, Dirty Honey Guys or Joyous Wolf Guys or Robert John the Wreck or, or any uh, the LA maybe? Did you know any of those people before they got in the bands or as they were getting into their bands? Was there any like knew- kind, of, kind of relation camaraderie? Yeah, I've known uh, Justin, the bass player from Dirty Honey, lefty guy. I've known Justin for a while because we did some of those jams together. And that was before they started Dirty Honey or right as they were starting Dirty Honey. So uh, him for sure. Joyous Wolf I hadn't met till uh, we toured with, before we toured with them. Right. Yeah, I met them earlier this year or late last year. Uh, 
I never, I did, didn't know them until then, but love them very much. Uh, yeah, so Justin from Dirty Honey, I, I knew before he got in the band. Right on. And so, we still do gigs together here from time to time. Oh, nice. So how do you get into Dorothy and Faster Pussycat? Uh, well, Faster Pussycat came first, uh, also because of the jam nights that would happen. Uh, that's where I met Ace originally. So Ace and I had been always been really good friends and always like hanging out or, you know, we get to jam together once every so often. And that had come up because he had a tour he was not able to do because he he started playing with LA Guns. So for a Mm -hmm. while he was juggling both bands and he asked if I wanted to sub for him. And I was like, sure, I'd love to. And so I went out with Pussycat on that tour, summer tour. And it it kind of was apparent that Ace wasn't going to be able to keep juggling both because there were too many overlapping things. And the guys wanted me to stay and Tammy offered me the job if I wanted to keep doing it since Ace wasn't going to be able to. And I was like, yeah, so I'm still here. (laughs) And crushing it, man. Dorothy came after that. Dorothy came after that, though, also partially through Ace. Uh, I'd known Dorothy's bass player, Elliot Lorengo, for a while because... You and bass players. You're you're friends with all the bass players. You're supposed to be friends with the guitar players. Well, so see, I'm friends with these bass players because there's only a couple of them. (laughs) Right. So if you need to do a gig, you got to know a guy. You got to know him. So uh, Elliot, we had done gigs various gigs together some other stuff around LA and I guess I was already maybe in the in the pool of people to possibly pull from if they needed a guitar player Uh, but I think maybe the thing that had really kind of done it was Ace is good friends with Dorothy as well and he brought her to the Viper Room one night to see me play at a jam and then we hung out I think before that we had kind of had some talks back and forth on Instagram and she came to the Viper Room and she was like, I think you should jam with my band. And I was like, I'd love to jam with your band. And I guess that was kind of my audition. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So did long-winded you... Long-winded answers. No, no, those, we like long-winded answers because people are, don't, aren't tuning in to listen to us talk. Trust me. They want to hear our guest talk. Did you work on this last album for Dorothy or are you just strictly the, the touring guitarist? I did do some stuff on this last record so my first thing that i actually did with dorothy before even playing a gig uh she was like hey you want to come to new york with me and record my record and i was like yeah duh (laughs) i'd love to so we went to new york and we did a bunch of songs and i guess she wasn't totally stoked on how those had turned out just it wasn't totally the direction i guess she felt that she wanted this album to go so she ended up doing uh production wise i should say so she ended up doing a bunch more songs because a lot of the songs on the record she didn't actually have when we did those sessions so she wrote uh, rest in peace and black sheep she did with 
Scott Stevens, who's an amazing songwriter. Uh, she did a couple songs on the record with Trev Lukather, who produced them. And so I'm still on, there's like three songs from those New York sessions I'm on. So we all kind of, everybody who plays in her band are on little bits of the record, just different parts. So how, how do you make that work being in uh, Dorothy's band and then Faster Pussycat? So far luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so far luck and, uh, you know, hopefully a little bit of understanding from, from everybody. There's, there's been things I had to miss uh, two Faster Pussycat shows. I had to miss the very first one of the run that we just did and the very Sonic last Slantor. one. Like the yes. Sonic Slam one? Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm wearing but, my Kiefer shirt just, just from that. Here you go. Nice. You. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had to miss the very first show and the very last show uh, because of, I had things with Dorothy. and But out of 52 shows for Pussycat, I felt like that was pretty decent odds. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, but with Dorothy also, I think she just had a music video come out today for her song Black Sheep that I wasn't able to be in because I was on the road. So it's just, you know, little got to give and take here and there because I'm trying to make everything work. Well, you're also in your own band too, Butterside. Like, tell us a little bit about that one. Uh, yeah, Butterside is a project that I've been a part of for a while before Faster and before Dorothy. And it came about originally, I think in maybe 2017, I did some fill-in shows with them and then did some more shows with them touring with LA Guns actually. So it's all very intertwined. Is that how you uh, met Ace originally or did you already friends with him prior? I was friends with him prior, but that was before Ace was with the band. So Got it. Okay. That's that's how I met like Tracy, and I knew Johnny Martin before, but that's where I met Tracy. And so, but yeah, with Butterside, I had already kind of done that, and uh, they had me come back in the band on the second record uh, because I guess things in the studio with the guitar player that they had replaced me with wasn't working out, and so I'd been with them again ever since so i played on that second record which is called spiritual violence and you know came up with a bunch of lead parts and all that stuff and then in recent times we've put out with the current lineup we've put out uh five singles so far of stuff the five of us have done together it's quite a bit more modern rock it kind of be more in the vein of like a band like asking alexandria or maybe like maybe shine down or something kind of more modern yeah. <clears throat> producer that we work with uh matt good works with asking alexandria and hollywood undead and a bunch of bands like that and so yeah that's all new stuff that we put out that i've written and riffs and stuff and we've got three more songs coming and some more stuff coming down the pipe i just wrote some stuff yesterday so so uh, getting into Faster Pussycat, who's more of a Stones vibe kind of band, uh, kind of blues based kind of band. Uh, what have you learned from that kind of uh, that kind of, uh, you know, playing 
a lot like you mentioned like you do more of the modern stuff and and, and you know whatever you learned at, at the at the music a lot Institute. more shredding with faster pussycat than with dorothy and butterside right yeah so what 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 have you learned as a player from from playing with faster i thought you were about to ask what have you learned from playing with the band and i was about to say patience no uh as far as playing wise honestly i feel like i if we're talking about shredding, I feel like I shred the most with Dorothy because really live the 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 musical parts for the solos are all extended. So mm -hmm. I actually literally can't play the solos on the record from the, the past songs because they're all about 20 times longer. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of <laughs> a lot of freedom to kind of just play whatever. Whereas with Faster Pussycat. I'm really trying to keep it true to the songs. Uh, there's a couple places where I kind of just, you know, I get lost and just do my own thing or it just comes out. But I really try to stay true to the songs because if I was going to see a band, it would bum me out if they weren't playing the part. Like, oh, mm -hmm. Jack the Bastard was my favorite solo. I would hope the guy would maybe be playing it the way it is on the record if it isn't the right. guy. So, uh, and then Butterside is just a completely different thing. So playing, but that's, it, they're all natural. It's not really like, it's not, I don't think about it much. It's just when I go to Faster Pussycat, I play that way. And then when I go to Dorothy, I play a different way because I'm generally the only guitar player. So my rig's mm -hmm. slightly different. I have more pedals and I'm trying to make it sound bigger. And then with Butterside, I have a completely other pedal setup and I'm playing heavy stuff but it's also stuff that i wrote so i like i like everything and it's it's all really natural and fun to get to do the different things yeah and no, i kind of want to get back on that kind of what you said yeah. with being a solo guitar player or you know a, a duo faster pussycat you're a duo trading off a lot of licks live having a lot of fun dorothy you're the main guy like what do you prefer? Like, are they both fun? Like, again, two different ways that you're performing. Yeah, they're both fun. With Faster having the second guitar player, uh, especially now with Ronnie Simmons, because he's he's great, and we're able to mm -hmm. do uh, some dual guitar stuff that has never happened with the band live, uh, even back in the day. And I say this because uh, our the first gig with Ronnie, actually, the first uh, the first of this year, Greg Steele, the original guitar player, one of the original guitar players, I should say, came down and, and jammed with us and played like five or six songs. And he texted all this stuff to Tammy, like, wow, dude, your band has never sounded better. You know, those guys are doing more than we ever did. Um, and so we're just trying to do the stuff like the record. There's stuff that House of Pain solo, there's a bunch of double track stuff. And, you know, we do that because it's fun. Uh, so that's really cool because it's less pressure. So maybe I'm kind of throwing my guitar up more, just being an idiot more because it's like... Well, oh, a lot of showmanship, know. right? A lot of showmanship. Yeah, because yeah, being sloppier is fine. But with Dorothy, I'm the only guitar player and I want it to sound huge. And uh, so maybe, maybe a little more 
subdued, I guess, but not really much. I don't know. I don't really think about these things. I'm really just thinking about, oh, you know, with Faster, I don't really have to worry about as much because there's a second guitar. And then with Dorothy, it's like, oh, I just want it to sound cool and solid all the time. So with those three gigs, I mean, there's obviously a, a, a diverse way of playing. Um, were you already like accustomed to being that kind of player? Um, and if so, do you ever find those different styles kind of like seeping into if you, you know if you're doing fast or you like you ever catch yourself doing something? Oh, hey, that's kind of sounds like a like a Dorothy thing or vice versa. Not really too much, but uh, the as far as the playing thing, definitely from growing up as a kid playing in bars and having to play a bunch of different songs, and I juggled like. 13 or something different cover groups before I moved to LA that I'll still play with from time to time when I get back to St. Louis. And just so I've always kind of juggled all different kinds of music, I guess, in my head. So it's all, all kind of, it's always been really easy to me. I've never really had to think about it. Uh, and then I also, yeah, I don't, I don't really, I mean, I play, I guess, similar licks with both bands, but I don't, I've never really thought about that. It's like when I'm at first mm -hmm. Pastor Pussycat, it's like I'm playing Cat House and Slip of the Tongue. And then when I'm with Dorothy, mm -hmm. I'm playing Down to the Bottom and all her songs. So, and then just kind of soloing and going off and yeah. And then with Butterside, I just play the songs basically because I mean, I wrote the parts and I write right. the solos so you know sometimes I'll kind of goof off because I, I also just like to do whatever happens in the moment but that's especially in a live setting it. right that's all that makes it more interesting to play live when you can do a little take a little bit of liberty yeah that's uh, that's something that definitely with the Dorothy thing because that's all I do the whole show is just yeah it's kind of just I never really play the same solo twice so, okay, that would maybe be how it seeps into the other gigs, just from, from doing that and having the freedom. So coming off the Dorothy tour, going into the Pussycat tour this last summer, I might've messed around a little bit more, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't really think of things when mm -hmm. I'm playing, my brain shuts off and, and that's it. <laughs> it's your playing brain, <laughs> not your thinking brain. If I start thinking, it gets bad. You, that's when you screw up. That's when you screw up a lot of stuff, you know? Playing music, playing sports, you think too much, you're going to blow it. Yeah, yeah. Like well, I saw you guys um, maybe within a month or two of each other in Columbus. I first saw Dorothy on the tour with Joyous Wolf and Classless Act, which was a great bill. All three bands were fantastic. You know, I knew Joyous Wolf. We'd, we'd had on um, Nick on before and, of course, knew Dorothy. Classless Act, I was like, who are these guys? Like, they were, they were fun. They that were, tour was what, so much know, fun. Goofy. Yeah. Like talk that about the, is... talk about that tour a little bit. Like what, what kind of rubbed off on you about playing with those two different bands? It was just so much fun. Uh, Classless Act was fun because, I mean, I've always kind of been like the kid in the situations. But then there I was like, oh, wow. You're, you're, you're an like, elder compared to those guys. I was, yeah, I was like, oh, I'm like the adult. This is weird. Uh, so... <laughs> the 
it was really fun. They were great to watch every night and, and hang with and try to help out in the little ways that I could, like other people have done for me. And mm -hmm. then with Joyous Wolf, it was just a great hang. I mean, we'd always hang with those guys before and after the show. I'm a big fan of uh, Blake, his guitar playing. I'm yeah. a big fan of actually all of them. Yeah. All of them, how they all tight play. band. They're great. Really tight band. And Nick is just unbelievable with his energy. So he's going to break a hip is what I'm afraid of. <laughs> I, I mean, he's definitely broken things before. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's crazy. But yes, yeah, so, we're still friends with those guys and still talk to them all the time. Yeah, and it kind of what's it like playing Dorothy? And she's a very highly looked at emerging artist. You guys, again, just got put on with Dirty Honey, another emerging rock band. You've sort of got the established act with Faster Pussycat, built-in bass. And now you've got this new artist who really, you're gaining audiences. Yeah, it's it's been really, really fun. Dorothy is just, uh, I mean, she's an unbelievably great singer. She's yeah. unbelievably talented. And we get along great. We have a lot of fun. And again, she really gives, you know, her band a lot of freedom and a lot of props throughout the show to do our things, whatever those happen to be. And it's, it's a really, really fun gig. And I very much love doing it. Yeah, and she, she's really cool, too. She's got that voice where she can do a lot of styles. Like her previous record had a little more of a classic rockish, bluesy 60s or 70s. Yeah, this one's a little bit more of the modern rock vein. It's like she's really, she could, diverse, I'll say. Very diverse, yeah. And then her first record was super, like, alternative. She yeah. was, like, a major, like, that's kind of how I guess she got uh big at first was that it was all kind of cool and alternative and, and different uh, and I love all three all three she does all three very well and we play songs from all three records and I think the end goal ultimately is just to try to make everything sound like Sabbath in the end so it's all cool well, you know what play there, are worse, <laughs> there are worse things to sound like and worse guitar riffs to play yeah so when you're home off the off the tours and whatnot, do you have any other projects that, that you know you're working on? Uh, you know, besides Butterside, you know, anything that you've got going on? Yeah, I'll do some gigs around LA with some friends. There's a band called Analog Party that I'll play with sometimes. That if uh, if people haven't heard of, I'm a fan of the stuff that they write and they make because it's all just really kind of interesting that's how i can describe it the tunings are really weird and it's mm. really fun to play with them because it's it's it makes me think uh and then i just signed on to play some shows uh with the singer josie scott he's oh, the yeah. original singer of saliva that's right and i grew up i mean i covered saliva with my first band so i grew up I think you chatted me that, right? That's how I know about that. I think maybe yeah. you sent me. Yeah, okay, there we go. I'm like, I've heard that somewhere. It was from you. Yeah. So uh, I'm about to dive in learning those songs, even though, uh, you know, at least 70% of the set list, it shouldn't be too hard because those are the songs that I listened to growing up and I'm very familiar with them. I've just never put them under my fingers. But uh, yeah, that. And then literally 
but tonight was doing uh, a thing for charity rock against ms uh and i'm about to go over the songs playing with tiffany oh Uh, no kidding i I think we're alone now tiffany yeah 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 oh yeah listen i I grew up in the 80s i had a crush on uh, tiffany and debbie gibson all of them yeah right right. yeah so i'm playing with her and steven adler tonight oh yeah the original guns drummer yeah two different things from the 80s (laughs) and yeah, I don't, you know, I just, I like being busy and I like getting to do different things with cool people and it's fun. Cool. Do you ever do session work, like studio work for people? Yeah, some. There hasn't been uh, tons, but yeah, I've, I'm, I am, I have the equip, I'm equipped to do that here from my, my Well, you're on the road too much to probably get in to help too many people. I mean, you're always touring. A little bit. So that's probably why, uh, it, it doesn't happen more, but I am always, you know, I'm available to do guitar things or solo spots or, or anything. So going back to your start a little bit. So you're a child of the early 2000s. You guys were watching, you know, that NXS show. You're playing in bars at 12. So you're playing all these different styles. What is what kind of music and what kind of guitar players really did you, I guess, gravitate towards as a kid? I know you were doing first stuff just because that's what you need to do but like who inspired you well at first it was uh the guitar player from the tv show rafael morera and he had yeah. played with bands like pink and christina aguilera so he had kind of done you know some pop gigs and stuff but he was always just shredding and still to this day has probably yeah. my favorite vibrato ever and so it was it was him at first but then after that i really kind of growing up in st louis there were two radio stations there was the classic rock radio station if you wanted to hear more than a feeling over and over and over again and then there was the kind of more what was called the alternative station and that's kind of more what i listened to and i got into bands like seether and three days grace and shine down which probably you wouldn't consider to be very guitar e right not a lot of solos not a lot of solos, but I was just always a big fan of the songs and the riffs. So the the music itself always just really spoke to me and that kind of stuff resonated with me the most. And then eventually, again, when I was playing in bars and taking lessons, it all became like when I was 15, it was all about Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and Sabbath and Dio and all all those things learning those songs to go out and play them and do the dual guitar harmonies and all that stuff with my buddy mark who i learned so much from so that's really what it was and i mean still to this day i really like all that music nothing's really changed all that much I mean, I still like that music and Brian, still, but we grew up when it was new. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant that it's and timeless. the, uh, meant that and the, you know, like the, the kind of, you know, Breaking Benjamin or Three Days Grace. That's sure. just, so I you don't like know, the classic stuff and the modern, you didn't really gravitate necessarily. Like, hey, I'm listening to Sabbath and Zeppelin only. It was like, hey, stuff's on the radio and popular. We're going to do that. We're going to just do everything. So yeah, it probably was never like, you're playing in bars. It, yeah, it was never just one thing. Uh, it's always been like, oh, I like this kind of rock and this kind of rock and this, like, it's all, 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 all over the place. 
And then when I discovered Alice in Chains, though, that's when everything oh, man. ended and became all about that. <laughs> you know, they're a, they're a metal band. You know, they got lumped into grunge, but they started out playing with metal bands. And they're, I mean, stayed true to kind of that metal, like how they played. They're just, they were just awesome. Just the songs, the riffs, Jerry's guitar tone, the writing. Jerry's the MVP of that band. His harmony vocals and his playing. Like, if you don't have that, it doesn't, it's not Alice in Chains. 100%. But then it's... It's also, I mean, everybody, Lane, sure. and Great Sean Kenny, Sean Kenny's drumming just uh, it blows my mind. So, yeah, that's that band is still to this day my my number one. No kidding. And then Dirt just had a, I think the thirtieth anniversary release 30th. of Dirt, which is a gr- man. Every track on that album is amazing. It's a masterpiece. It is. It's a masterpiece to me. That's that I call that the Bible. <laughs> well i mean you run through the list on there it's about every one of like what are their key hits you know outside of man the box and a couple other things yeah them and then uh, a band called monster magnet has yeah I've always been monster magnet i've loved since maybe even before i started playing guitar like really early on um because my, my family, we had a couple, two of their CDs uh, that we had gotten from a family member. And uh, it was Power Trip CD and Monolithic CD, if anybody is familiar with the Power band. Trip had the um, Space... Um, Space Lord. Space Lord, there you go. That, that yeah. was their big hit, yeah. Yeah, and that band just has always been one of my favorites. And still to this day, I'll look really? up on YouTube, like, uh, you know, videos of you know them talking about their guitar tones or whatever and still to this day i'm just i just love it and then fun fact the power and the glory hole record from faster pussycat uh ed mundell who was the guitar player for monster magnet for a long time he hasn't been with the band for maybe 10 or 12 years but he's the guy who played all the you know leads and all the stuff on the records he did some recording on the power and the glory hole record and apparently Jerry Cantrell did as well. Really? What? Because Tammy Down, the lead singer, he had these clubs in LA. They had him and Ricky Rackman had the Cat House Club. That's right. And then yeah. Tammy had a club, Pretty Ugly, which happened at this place called the Dragonfly here. And I guess after those those nights when they were all partying together. They all went back to Tammy's house and Tammy's like, hey, play on my song. <laughs> so I think Cantrell was a fan of all those bands too growing up, right? I mean, he was, yeah. yeah. I think so, yeah. And so it's, it is a little, it's fun when we pull out songs from that record because it's like, oh, you know, playing kind of parts from some of my favorite guitar players guys that I already like Dorothy could cover uh Dorothy could cover an Alice in Chains song and be pretty badass oh she could do anything if she wanted to (laughs) you gotta try to work that in hey come on let's let's cover an Alice in Chains song let's do it we did a fun cover of we've been doing a fun cover of Sweet Dreams kind of we said more of the uh 
Eurythmics original version uh, because our drummer Jake does all the really kind of high falsetto harmony things. And it was really, really fun to do because uh, we basically just try to make it really, really just dark and gothy, kind of like uh, the end got all typo negative-ish. And that was really fun to do on the tour because it was a little different. Did you guys play that one in Columbus? That sounds familiar. I can't, now I can't recall. Pretty sure we did. Yeah. You playing Pretty the sure uh, Bluestone, that church that they turned into a music venue. Man, yes. I, I When you said Columbus, I remember that because I was like, Well, the drummer oh, was like in that like partition, like cut out of the back wall where the organ oh, used it to was, be. It was bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was bizarre, <laughs> but it was really fun. That show was really fun and that venue was really cool the vibe was great yeah uh, yeah it was a different setup for sure like our amps were kind of in front of the drums and he was all up there and kind of in the dark <laughs> um but that show and that stage was was cool i remember that well yep and then you guys came through with the other the sonic slam tour uh through columbus uh you guys played I'm trying to remember the name. It was in Pataska, which is a suburb of Columbus, but there were a billion people at that show. I just couldn't that was believe a, how many people at that show. That was our drummer, Chad Stewart's hometown. And oh, I remember that everybody. day. Right. He brought everyone, <laughs> everyone. And, it's like 5,000 uh, people there. It was a lot of people. And that day was, I remember that show very well as well, because that show was a clusterfuck. <laughs> I'm not sure if I can really? say that. You can say but, whatever uh, you want. You can say it to everyone. Um, yeah, man, because that day we showed up and it was raining. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it was raining. Early on, yeah. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, so nothing was able to happen. Nobody was able to sound check and they were just kind of waiting it out because eventually it was going to stop. So eventually Tom ended up sound checking, but they had already kind of opened the gates so mm -hmm. Tom was just sound checking in front of the people. And yep. I watched then, it. <laughs> yeah. So then, you know, and then Ellie Guns threw up their stuff, but then they didn't really do a check. And then we threw up our stuff and then basically did a sound check in front of all the people. And, yep. you know, like, I guess the, then we didn't sell merch that day because the tent flew away and just all this stuff about the day was just like, ah, you know, so. <laughs> Uh, but then we did the show and it was maybe one of the best of the tour. I don't know. I mean, that crowd was great. Uh, as far as outside shows go, it was definitely a good one because outside mm -hmm. it's kind of like kind of 50, 50 shot of being rad or being like unrad. <laughs> and, uh, but that one was pretty fun. And they had a, the high school, like the backside of that high school, which there was a ton of space and they had some of the carnival rides and all, they had a lot going on there. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, my wife and I pulled up there. We're like, kind of like, yeah, this is this is a little, <laughs> this is a little weird. Uh, Johnny Martin from uh, LA Guns and I, we were walking around early in the day because we were like, oh, well, we have nothing to do. So we we're walking around to the rides and somebody was who operated the ride was like, hey, do you guys want to volunteer? And we're like, we're kind of busy over there. <laughs> we already are volunteering. Where's Sam? Oh, he's operating the tilt the world. <laughs> yeah, that would have been that would have been fun. But yeah, that was. You can uh, pick up a new trade for when you're not on tour. You can be a carny for a little bit. 
I, I already feel like I am. <laughs> <laughs> Good. But it, you guys were like, the, the thing about that show is all three bands were fantastic. Like, you know, I've not, I've never seen Faster Pussycat in person. Of course, I'm familiar with the music. I'd seen Kiefer Cinderella and all those guys, but man, you guys came out, ton of energy. Uh, time sounded great. The band sounded great. You guys, the guitar players, had a lot of fun running around on stage. Show, you know, it just looked like it, it was a great tour. LA Guns did the same thing. You know, Ace and Tracy were doing their thing. And man, Phil Lewis, I told Ace this earlier this week, like Phil Lewis sounds like Phil Lewis in like 1988 still. His voice has never changed. No, it is not. And then Kiefer came out and like everybody was spot on, man. Like it was just, it was literally one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. That tour was so much fun. It was so long. It was like way too long, (laughs) but uh, at least for, for faster because we played shows on the beginning and the end of it and then filled in a bunch of shows. It was 10 weeks and 52 shows. Um, But that, that tour was so much fun just every day with Ace and Tracy and Johnny and Tony Higby from Kiefer's band and yeah. everybody in Kiefer's, Kiefer's band. And just the whole hang, it was just, it was such a family vibe and it was just so much fun. It was such a great time. That's what it felt like watching all you guys play that. It really was like a big family trip and you guys were just all playing together and had that really good kind of camaraderie. Yeah, and we would have uh, Ace get up and jam mm-hmm. with us. He would do some jamming with us on some shows. Tony Higby from Kiefer, he's always loved Faster Pussycat, so we got him up to jam on a bunch of shows. A couple shows, we got him and Ace to jam at the same time. Because, like, it's just, it's fun. And I would always go and ask Tammy to make sure he was okay with it. And he's like, oh, yeah, I don't care. That'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> So they're, yeah, they're all about making it fun. Ace might have ran on his Instagram when the last night or maybe it was the last night of the tour. All like there was like five guitar or four guitar players up. You guys are playing. I don't know. Remember what you're playing. You're maybe Poison Ivy or Bathroom. Mall. I can't remember. There's something you guys were all playing together and taking yeah, turns did, soloing. Yeah, we did. We would do uh, with Tony and Ace. We would do don't change that song and we invented like a four-part harmony singing during the guitar solo and then also with bathroom wall we would also do that and if there were four guitar players we would just do four solos instead of two or if there were three guitar players we would just do three solos instead of two just everybody would go and take a round practically a jam band at that point sam practically <laughs> that's, but at the same that's time, your next still, gig maybe but it was it was really really fun oh it's just it was just such a blast and i love those two so much so it, it's always just it was just very much just like no ego it was like oh tony you want to play the solo oh okay or ace you want to do the solo like what it was just so it was just so much fun very very cool so I imagine we're going to get some uh, obligatory uh, guitar gear talk here, Jason, or is that going to bleed into the lightning round? What do you got? Brian, you got it sounds Sam? like you and I have done 115 <laughs> podcasts together and you know where I'm going to go. 
<laughs> All right, I, Sam. I am more than okay with talking about gear. I, as a guitar player, I'm sure you are. Nobody ever turns down the gear talk. So I see a nice rig here to your left-hand side. What do you What do you got over there? Uh, it's It's a little bit larger than it looks from what you can see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's the angle of the camera of the TV. Oh, you got a bunch of stuff. All right. Yeah, this is my little little setup I've gotten set up in here so far. Uh, my main amp, it's been my main amp for the last like five and a half, almost six years. Uh, it's a Friedman small box, mm -hmm. uh, 50 watt. And then that's a Marshall 412 with green backs. And then I have these Supro, where are we at here? Uh, Supro Black Magic. <laughs> uh, Nobody can Black see, don't Magic worry. Combo. <laughs> Oh, it's not video. <laughs> it's not video. I mean, we could post video. We don't usually, because like nobody wants to look at me and Brian. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> it's a Supra Black Magic. I got this little baby Vox head too. This thing is really cool. Uh, this little NV50. That little amp, yeah. it's a 50 watt amp. Uh, over here is a 67 Baseman that I just brought from... Ooh. St. Louis, because I never really got to move out of my parents' house. Yeah. I just, I moved to LA, I flew here and ended up getting some essentials. I got a, you know, a bed and some things, but then I just started acquiring gear over time. Although I already had gear in St. Louis. Over time, I brought some guitars, uh, or I did bring some guitars, but different thing i i've acquired all this stuff here over the years uh then there's a rjs head which is a company out of denver and i've been using that with my live rig for dorothy it's been uh the friedman and the rjs together because together they do a thing that's really cool uh, to me and then there's a friedman cabinet over here uh, and then there's a lot of guitars around. Yeah. Uh, my, my main two guitars. Uh, well, you're a Les Paul player. I am. Uh, my main two are actually out in the living room right now because I, I, I left them there from rehearsal last night. So I would show you those, but I'd have to leave and come back. And well, describe them to us. What is the what model... LP is it a, is it a standard is it a classic is it a what do we got number one number one is a black uh, Les Paul custom and it's supposedly like seventy one ish is that uh, three humbuckers or is that still two it's it's two I wish okay. it was three though I'll get I'll get one one day that's three <laughs> but this one is this is kind of it's the guitar that kind of made me I've always loved Les Pauls, but when I got this, I was like, oh, that's kind of like, that's what I, what I need. That's what I've been looking for. And uh, it's, there's a lot of stuff that's messed up about it. The neck has been shaved down really far. The headstock had a, a headstock repair, but whoever did it, this is before I owned it. Whoever did it, the truss rod is glued in place and it cannot oh. move. And it's stuck at the, I guess, perfect spot. And that's how it is. And I guess that's how I got it for the price that I got it for. Uh, because I never, it, it, 
it it really was uh it shouldn't have been the price that it was <clears throat> but craigslist most of my favorite guitars have come off craigslist and number two is a uh 91 uh, gold top it's a classic so it's the all gold it's uh i don't know how to say that word bullying gold something like that yeah uh, I'll, I'll figure out how to say that one day boyan <laughs> okay that <laughs> um, but oddly enough uh tammy from faster pussycat he has this same guitar that he got from gibson uh and his is about a year earlier than mine his is like a 90 so uh that's my number two uh and there's a there's a lot of other a lot of other oh Gibsons yeah you got your rack going over there here yeah this is the latest acquisition this is oh, a there 90 go. oh sg jr yeah, ninety one or ninety two nice. SG Junior. I love Gibson P nineties. I've got this um, TV Yellow Special two P nineties in it. Man, it sounds so good. Is that a single Gibson cut or a double cut? It's a single. The strap. It's single. Oh, it's a single. Yeah, single. Yeah, it's a single cut. Mm -hmm. Here, I got, I got a, a, a twin for you. Oh, there you go. You got the double. Though. You got the two horns. Yeah. Oh, that, this are one that I got humbucker. One. Well, neck position's a P90 though, right? And then the then the bridge is hum. Yeah. Yeah, neck is a P90, bridge is a a humbucker. I'm thinking about maybe swapping that out for a P100 because I think that's actually what the SG has. That's what yeah. Tracy told me. He is saw that a it. Okay. Like, yeah, when he saw it, he's like, "Oh, that's a P100." And I was like, oh, "Okay, you're Tracy. I trust you." Uh, <laughs> I called it a P90 because I, I it was a junior. I'm it like, looks I'm like it. P90. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I don't really know. How, how does these, that play? Is that a, is that a chunky neck or is that a, like a thin neck? This one, it's, it's a good size neck. It's a yeah. good size. Uh, you know, this is, I, I really, <laughs> I've had this one for a long time. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Did uh, you put the sticker on there? I did. I did. That's probably the guitar. Uh, out of all the ones I have here, that's actually probably the one I've had the longest. I've had that at least maybe 10, 11, I love 12 yellow years. Yellow, too. I love that color. It is freaking classic. And you can still see some of the grain through it when you look close. Especially on these specials. Uh, this is the same guitar, just black, and somebody put a big B on it. Uh, that was be before I owned it, but that was pretty much... I bought this before my first Pussycat tour, so I was like, oh, I kind of need another gibson what is that pick guard on there it looks like a mirror it is i put that on oh, okay yeah that's pretty uh, badass that looks completely different from the tv yellow version of that yeah but they're the same guitar and it also plays and sounds completely different uh both of those guitars i've used on new faster pussycat music uh, so this one in particular, I remember for sure on the next single that's going to come out, which I hear is going to be soon. Uh, this I used for sure on the solo and for sure on some of the rhythms. And then the yellow one, I definitely used on NOLA, uh, the song that we had come out last year. Uh, mm -hmm. This was definitely on. That's gorgeous. I love it. Thank you. That was definitely on the guitar solo and probably half of the rhythm tracks. And then the other half of the rhythm tracks was uh, this, which is just an early 2000s Les Paul classic. This was classic, kind of my yeah. number one. 
for a while, but then uh, once the I changed the pickups out on most guitars. I use a company called Pariah Pickups okay. out of Detroit. Uh, and when I swapped the pickups in the custom uh, a couple of years ago, now that became. And my you like the one. you like the open pickups. You don't like to have the cap on them. Uh, no, it just on depends them. on it depends on the guitar. The custom okay. has covered. Uh, yep. It, it's and of course the classics are always open, and then your you know yeah. your specials have open. Yeah. Yeah, I basically replace them with the thing, the same thing. Um, and then the uh, maybe if we talk about uh, you know one or two more, this this one is pretty cool. So one thirty-seven. Oh, that's, so that's an interesting kinda, body. Like the the top horn of it's a weird shape. Yeah, it's kind of like a one thirty five i guess but uh a little smaller but a couple f holes on there very jazzy yeah it's still it's still a big guitar um i i really like this one this one's really fun what, what kind then, of pickups are in that one are they stock or did you swap those things out those are pariah as well okay so all pariah. no matter what you do you're doing pariah pickups uh, that's pariah is pretty much in everything except for the SG because I haven't gotten to change them yet. Uh, and except for this, because I just got this from, uh, Gibson, uh, right at the end of May. Uh, this is one of their new slash models. Oh, uh, shit. The November burst. I really yeah. love this burst. That's and he's got a couple too, because he's got one that's green, but the November yeah. versus the one in the red one. But I, that is, I, that's very classic. That's actually what I was kind of between. I was between, uh, you know, because my friend uh, hooked this up and I was like, oh, you know, I was kind of between this and the green, but I really, really love the burst. And uh, so this has been on the road with me. Uh, since I got it, I've played it every single show, and it really are those weight relieved. Because what I think I've read is he doesn't like weight relieved guitars. Um, it's it's still got weight to it for sure. Yeah, it's still got weight, um, and it sounds really great. I haven't gotten to you know change uh, anything with it, but it sounds really great just as 50 it is. Style neck, a little bit chunkier neck on that thing. A little bit, yeah, yeah, a little bit chunkier, uh, but. I played it every single show of the Dorothy tour and I played it most of the shows of the Pussycat tour uh, and it just sounds great for all that stuff. So. It's a, it's a gorgeous guitar, man. I, I aspire one day. I just, um, this one over here, I just got this Les Paul standard. It's the 2022, a guy in my hometown, I, I guess he bought some guitars for like an AMS American music supply, like on was going to retire one to sell stuff. Still had the plastic on the pit guard. It's iced T burst. I'm like, that's my ideal guitar. And I jumped on it. Super good. 1900 bucks, brand new. Go for 2700 I'm like, I that's had to do killer. it. This is one thing outside the Gibson realm. Uh, just because now talking about, you know, some other oh, side stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah, this Gretsch, but it's a baritone. Oh. Because I like to, for, for butter side, it's a lot of stuff that's kind of heavier. And I've been writing a lot more. Uh, so heavier stuff. string gauge on that, right? Like heavier oh, strings. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it is a, uh, it's a jump rope on there. It's really, it's, it's pretty crazy. 
but yeah, I don't even <laughs> jump rope. At least I had the one I have is is thick. But uh, it's it's a telephone wire for sure. What did you do to your finger? Oh yeah, we should talk about that because <laughs> <laughs> that's that's been really it's, annoying for the it's, last six it's, weeks. It's not easy to miss that big wrap that's on that uh, middle finger there. Yeah, that's something I guess we're talking about. I broke my middle finger moving. So uh, slammed a bed frame down on it, which uh, it really was a bummer because if I had waited like five minutes, uh, my buddy Fitz would have been here and it wouldn't have happened at all. But uh, I was so, uh, I was rushing to try to get as much stuff as I could done before I had to leave for tour again and uh, fractured my middle finger. It was a non-disjointed fracture. And uh, so I did the whole Dorothy, this last six week tour, I played with a middle finger or broken middle finger. Uh, I did a bunch of show uh, before I got it checked oh. out and found out that it was broken. I did two shows with Pussycat uh, and then a show with Dorothy opening for Shinedown. It was like at an arena with 10 or 15,000 people. I don't know how many people were there, but it was a lot of people. And after that show, I was like, hmm, my finger feels not right. <laughs> like it happened on like a Wednesday. I played with Pussycat on Thursday and I was barely able to use it during the show. And I was like, hmm, that seems weird. And then mm -hmm. Friday with Pussycat, we played. And it was a little better. And it was a show at the whiskey and, you know, with adrenaline and everything, it was like, oh, this is fine. And then I flew out to the Dorothy tour. And then that Sunday I was like, oh, okay. I think this is maybe okay. It still just feels weird, but I can play. And then after that show, I was like, something's wrong. <laughs> this is not right. Uh, and this is not getting better. So uh, I made it through the tour. I had to do, a couple shows without it where I made a smaller splint and I played without my middle finger. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that's your fretting hand. How'd that affect your playing? Oh, it was not fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, uh, but I'd gotten the word from, I'd sent the x-ray to a doctor friend or two and had heard that it was, you know, they're like, go ahead and play with it. But then, once you're once you're done just put it back in the splint ice it and uh it still hasn't really gotten better so it's still pretty uh it's almost the pain is just about gone but the swelling is still kind of there so i'm still keeping it in the splint and obviously it hasn't really been able to heal because i, I still would be playing on it for an hour two hours every day with sound check and everything so uh, hopefully it gets better soon. Man, I don't know what to say about that. That's, that's tough being a guitar player and losing, losing a digit like that. Yeah. But you know, made it through the tour, you know, <laughs> just cut the fingertip off and get one of those caps. Like, <laughs> like again, black Sabbath, come on, Tommy that, lost that finger. He put, he put that cap on it. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, the finger cod or whatever he was using. Yeah, our, our tech fits every day. You know, I'd be bummed or pissed about my finger. And he's like, dude, Tony Iommi. And I'm like, you know what? Yes, but he's Tony Iommi. I'm not. Yeah. So, <laughs> and he had it happen to, you know, 
multiple fingers and like, uh, you know, so yeah, but we made it through the tour. Uh, I, I made it a little easier on myself and I used nines for the first part of the okay. tour, which I don't mm-hmm. even think I've ever done. Even when I was a kid, I think I even used tens. So um, I'm usually at, uh, I think all the guitars have 10 to 52 other than okay. uh, so a little bit of heavier one. Well, I mean, at least with Dorothy, you, you do want a little bit more of that heavier sound than a lighter gauge string is going to give you. Yeah, I like that. And then I just go heavier for the, the SG uh, Junior on this Dorothy tour was the C sharp standard guitar. So I put a little heavier strings on it yeah, to get yeah. down, down to that tuning. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I went to nines and it helped. You know who uh, used nines? A very famous guitar player, Hall of Fame guitar player used nines. Jimmy Page. Oh, there's a lot of people that have used nines. Uh, yeah. Tracy, Tracy swears by like eights and nines. He uses nines? He, really? Eight? Oh I my think, God. I think he uses nines and tunes down a half step. Interesting. I know I know most of the stuff is tuned down a half step for him, but nine? Wow. I'm surprised yeah, to hear that. I'm pretty sure that's what he does. And he's just like, oh, it's so easy. And I'm like, yeah, yeah but I just, I feel like I'm just going to break everything. The right? one string, that's what I'm afraid of. The one string that I broke on tour was a nine. <laughs> so, um, but before, but also, you know, like on my main guitar, I kind of knew even with tens, if it gets to like three shows, I would probably break a string. And I broke okay. a couple strings on the last tour. So, uh, yeah, I like 10 to 52 right now, but I was always like, I was always 11. It was always, um, these, I still have a bunch of these always been Ernie yeah. ball also Me too. Since, since I was a kid. Um, so, uh, it was 11 of 48 forever. And then I went to 10, 10 and a half. These ones, I went to these, oh. so, Ten and the a custom, half yeah, the custom gauge ones. Yep, yep. And then uh, all my all my Ernie Ball uh, ten to fifty twos are are in my my case packed away still. But then I went to ten to fifty two. Uh, See now I'm like getting in my right toolkit. <laughs> what do I have in here? I like this stuff. I like this. You know, I don't I don't know if anybody else does, but I got I like my tens. There you go. Um, I do have. So I do have 11s. I do have a custom, a pack of custom gauge 11s on here that I haven't put on anything. I'm going to try. So you're 11 guy, huh? Well, I used, I used to be. That's why I still have all these uh, left over. But I've been on 10 to 52 for, I think, the last, maybe since before the Dorothy tour. Uh, maybe before the cruise. So I think all this year I've been on 10 to 52 uh, and before that, it was 10 and a half. And then before that, it was 11. So I've kind of gone down on the high strings, but then I've gone up on the lower strings. Got it. I, uh, one of my old guitars, I was playing a lot of slide on. So I went up, God, I can't remember what, what I went to, and it went flat wound. Same time, too, to try to play. So I did not like them. I just went back to the uh, Super Slinky 10. Just they seem to work all around. Now, I, I do have a pack flat of nines. Yeah, flat wounds. Just for playing slide, right? Because it's okay. a smoother surface. But 
I have these nines. I don't know why I didn't buy them. Maybe they were given to me, but if you want them, they're all yours. I'll help your finger. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm okay. Like halfway through the tour, I went back to 10 to 52 because it started feeling better. And again, like I said, the pain is almost not, not there. It's just getting it all the way better. Uh, I don't, I don't leave for tour till like the end of the month. And I only have, a couple fly out shows until then. So maybe I'll be able to rest it a little bit more and hopefully it'll get better. Hey, on those fly out shows, I mean, what do you, what are you taking with you? Are you, they have a, do they have like an amp set up for you when you're there? Or are you, you actually shipping that stuff out with you? No, uh, we'll, we'll fly in and we'll have backline. So I'll, yeah. I'll usually request just cause okay. you know, I don't, Freedmen's aren't usually readily available. I guess. So I uh, usually just get a couple of Marshalls, a couple of Marshall half stacks and I'll fly with my pedal board mm -hmm. and two guitars. I know um, and we were speaking with Erin Coburn a couple of weeks ago and she started sometimes taking, I forget what that was called, but it basically simulates all your amps and stuff into it. And you can just run, I think direct through the PA. I don't know if, you hopped on board with that, but you're still going like old school, which I, I, I dig that. Yeah. The digital thing, uh, I'm kind of allergic to it. Uh, but it, it certainly, I've seen it be great. Again, uh, talking about Ace and Tracy, they use their head rush boards. Uh, granted they run them into amps and they still have mm -hmm. stage volume happening, yep. but, uh, that's a case where I've seen digital be great because their tones sound amazing. Uh, just for me, I just prefer having pedals. Even when I, I, I have a head rush and even when I got it, I was still using some regular pedals with it because I wasn't a big fan of the wah sound. Uh, and I'm kind of picky about that. Um, and especially when I got to the Dorothy gig, I was like, this needs to be analog. You know, she's had some really, really killer guitar players. And I was like, I don't want to go into this gig you know, not having real pedals. So, uh, and I'm kind of stuck with that. I have a board uh, that's made by this company, Morton Pedal Boards, hmm. and they're really cool because they're modular pedal boards. So you can make it larger or smaller, depending on what you need by unscrewing different parts and adding different parts to it. And so for Dorothy, it gets quite a bit bigger for faster push get it slims down and i have a separate board for butterside with a switcher that's kind of in shambles right now but uh. <laughs> um what is your go-to rig so if you had to bring one guitar and one amp like to what are you choosing one guitar one amp is the 71 Les paul custom and that friedman amp friedman yeah. Okay. Actually, you, you that, can add one that pedal to it. Okay. You can add one pedal to it. What are you taking? One pedal. And you can't, not a tuner. You can't choose a tuner. It would be either a, a wah pedal or an overdrive pedal, probably. Okay. All I'd right. probably have to say an overdrive pedal. Uh, the Nobles ODR1, because that's my favorite overdrive pedal right now. Nice. All right. Very good. 
And that's Gear Talk, Sam. <laughs> oh, that was so much fun, but I can go on for hours more if you want. <laughs> I, you know what? I so could I, but with Brian and everybody listening, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm the one who brought it up, man. I like hearing about that stuff. But, but you know, Please. and I, he, he, he likes listening. We've done enough to them. <laughs> well, again, it's very visual with that stuff. And typically we don't show video yeah. in our podcast. So people have to imagine, imagine what Just we're talking about. Well, there's use a lot your of guitar players out there. <laughs> there are a lot of guitar players out there. Brian is a bass player, but he also plays, he dabbles in a little guitar. I think it was, you got the Jackson over there, your right shoulder there, Brian. Yeah. So getting shred on that a little bit. You're learning. You're learning. Yeah. Trying. Oh, yeah. All right. Sam, do you have a couple more minutes for us to do a lightning round of stupid questions? This sounds fantastic. Brian, we good? Yes, for sure. All right. Don't think too hard about these. What's the first concert you attended? In excess with their new lead singer. Oh, so not you were such a big fan of the show, you had to go and see the in excess. Did they come through St. Louis? They did come through St. Louis. They went to they came to an arena called uh, St. Charles Family Arena. Uh, mm-hmm. And fast forward, uh, when I was 14, played that arena. And then we just played that arena on the Pussycat Tour also. So that was quite, nice. a, quite a full circle moment. Full circle. <laughs> um, what is the first album, CD, record, tape that you remember getting? I don't totally remember. So I'm going to go with the Monster Magnet cds monolithic and power trip nice i i have that power trip cd somewhere it's, it's i do in, also i just don't know somewhere. where i don't say it's in the basement in a box because everything is digital right what are the last three artists or bands that you've streamed that's everybody grabs their phone on this one I love it. <laughs> that's that's complicated because uh uh, I was, it was for learning songs. So I guess technically the for last fun, stream, not for learning for fun oh, that you for, did on your own. For fun that I did on my own was the new record from the cult under the midnight sun. Oh, so good. The new rec- the new record from Bush, the art of survival. And the last thing for fun was probably uh, uh, some music from, a band that I was, we were just on tour with Max Saturn. Oh yeah. Yeah. They were the opener in that, the Dorothy, uh, um, dirty honey show. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's the last thing in, in my, uh, stream was, was some music from them. How's that Bush album? It's really cool. It's really cool. I had it on, um, in the background and I, I didn't get to pay attention to the whole thing. But uh, most of it that I heard uh, was really, really great. I've always thought that band is awesome. And the Does new Cult have... record was Oh, was the new really Cult record is good. I'm a big fan of the Cult. The Cult is one of those bands where whatever genre of music you like, if it's punk, metal, whatever, you like the Cult. I just saw them the other night, too. I got back from oh. tour on Saturday and went to see them Sunday. And saw them remember. on the last tour too on a day off. We had how were they live? Too. Great. So got it. Great. Ian Asbury, uh, he he his thing is is so fun to watch just because he's truly unpredictable. He just 
says the stuff he says it's it's crazy it's crazy to see so it, it was really fun and billy duffy is just like a god a great guitar player yeah it's a cool riffs man cool riffs yeah and tone i said I still remember I was probably my freshman year of high school and my friend who was a sophomore who always brought new bands to me, handed me the tape for Sonic Temple. He's like, you got to go home and listen to this. And I'm like, who are these guys? This is fantastic. That record is so great. So good. So good. All right. Uh, What is the first concert or show you ever played? that i can i i can't really remember probably a bar show did you do like a talent show i mean if we're if we're being technical it was probably a show in the living room for my family uh <laughs> you know a show air quotes oh. um probably that probably uh uh some sort of summer camp thing that i did this thing camp jam where i was I think I was like a, a maybe 12 when I did it, maybe. And they put you in bands and then you guys pick a song or two and learn them throughout the week. And then at the end, you play a show. Um, I'm not exactly sure what my first show was. Well, let's go to the Camp Jam one. What songs did you guys have to play? I'm not sure. It was such a great sure. performance. You completely forgot what it was. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it was very memorable. Uh, what is your favorite guitar riff to play? Yours or somebody else's? Doesn't matter. Your favorite. If you're picking up a guitar, you, you just go to it. Uh, for I'm going to say for each band. Uh, okay. For Dorothy, it's down to the bottom. For Faster Pussycat, it's where there's a whip, there's a way. And for Butterside, it's probably uh, a new one that isn't released yet that we haven't recorded yet, but it's a new riff that, uh, kind of wrote that, I, that I really, really like. What is your favorite guitar solo to play of someone else's? Maybe house of pain, I guess. Cause that was, that's somebody else's or, uh, you know, anytime doing cover band stuff, doing, uh, like Beyond the Realms of Death by Judas Priest. That is like one of my all-time favorite guitar solos. What's a favorite your favorite guitar solo that you've written? Uh, there's there's uh, there's two. One that's on uh, a new Faster Pussycat song that is going to come out eventually, and uh, one that is it'd probably be between voices and ghost lighting from Butterside, but probably voices because most of it was the first take. It was all the first nice. take. And then except for the last little bit of the solo, the last little section of it, because uh, I did all that in the first take and then the producer was like, ah, maybe it should end a little different and then came up with that other part and did it. You could choose one gear, a guitar and an amp. Price is not an object. What are you choosing? Les Paul Custom and a Friedman. (laughs) (laughs) The three pickup Les Paul Custom. Three pickup black Les Paul Custom and uh, Friedman 
the Jerry Cantrell amp just because price is not an option. The price is not an option. Everybody who's listening, they know you've got birthdays, Christmas, holidays. Listen for Sam. Take up a collection. You know what he wants. You, yes. <laughs> oh, always. All the time. If you could play with any band or artist, living or dead, for one night, who are you choosing? Alice in Chains or Monster Magnet. Ooh, okay. Give us the absolute song you'd have to play with each band. With Alice in Chains, probably Rain When I Die. And with Monster Magnet, probably... Wow, that's hard. Um, wow, that's hard. Uh, monolithic. Okay, nice. Now we're going to get we're going to get off the music stuff for a second. So we're going to take a little bit of curveball. Do you drink coffee? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. I so wish. asking you how you take your coffee doesn't work. Okay. We won't take that one. Uh, so around Halloween, what's your favorite Halloween candy? Uh, oh, it's Kit Kat bars. Right, the regular regular Kit Kat, not the crazy flavors that are imported. Uh, yeah, just just the regular ones, regular okay. ones always. Uh, I like the mini ones too. The mini ones are really good. Do you have a go-to Halloween costume from a kid that you went to as a kid? I don't think so. Okay. I think my go-to costume was a shirt that said, this is my costume. I like it. See? Yes. Respect. Respect. It's that attitude from playing in bars at a young age right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, you stream stuff, TV shows, movies? Not really. I'm, I'm trying to get better about that. Uh, but get better as watch better. more or watch less. <laughs> no, get better as watch more because okay. I kind of live under a rock as far yeah. as life goes. Uh, things outside of music, I'm like, I don't, I live under a rock. Uh, but movies, always Jurassic Park. How was the, did you see the new one? Oh, yeah, there I you did. go. I and did. What's the verdict? I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool. There's stuff about, you know, even though my knowledge of movies is not very vast, it's very small. Uh, the way new movies are done with just the acting and how stuff is just kind of really kind of quick and all this stuff is cut out. Uh, that's just what I kind of was bummed about a little bit. You know, it's like if, if something happens, like, you know, thing with the dinosaur and the car, blah, blah, blah. Like in the first three, you would have seen the, what happened with the car and you would mm -hmm. have seen them get out of the car and you would have seen the whole process of the thing. But with the new one, like something happened and there was the car and then like all of a sudden the kid was climbing out of the car. Like you didn't see like her, like, you know, try to eject herself from the car, you know, get out of the seatbelt or whatever. The editing's not good. Editing. Yeah. The editing. It's just kind of like, Oh, it's already happening. So there was a lot of stuff like that, but the action of it and all the dinosaur related stuff I thought was really cool. And uh, I got to see go it again with, though. Hard to go wrong on a movie with dinosaurs in it. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Especially when they're eating people. And just, you know, just being them, just being themselves. Just, just, just being a dinosaur. Being a dino. 
All right. So we're going to go to two questions that test whether or not you are a <laughs> maniac. And they're from our friend Leilani Kilgore. We did give these to Ace. Ace passed with flying colors. So the pressure is now on you. Wait, so Ace Ace passing, does that mean he's he a maniac? He's not, he's not a maniac. No, he's, not. he's not a psychopath. He is com completely, as far as we can tell, just sane. All right. First question. Okay. When putting on your shoes, do you put your socks on both feet first and then your shoes, or do you put one sock on one foot and then the shoe on that foot before you move on? So you do sock, sock, shoe, shoe, or sock, shoe, sock, shoe? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've never really thought about it. I think I put my socks on and then my shoes. That's the right answer. Okay, you're 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 one for one so far. Let's see how you do on this next one. I think, but I'll 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 pay attention later, and then I'll send you a message. <laughs> send me a message. It's like a, just so we can know if we feel comfortable inviting you back sometime. Great. <laughs> All right, part two. When making a bowl of cereal, do you put the cereal in the bowl first, and then the milk, or the milk in, and then the cereal on top of it? Cereal first, then the milk. Okay. All right. You passed. You made it. Hey, <laughs> we got into a very good discussion with Ace about cereal and marshmallows and Lucky the things it does to his body. We, we learned a lot about Ace. Oh, uh, I like Fruity Pebbles the most and Fruit Loops and Ooh. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. There you oh, go. That's yeah, yeah. great. That's the bomb. I do get down with Lucky Charms. Lucky oh, that's what school. Ace's favorite cereal he said was. Yeah, 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 yeah. The marshmallows. He, he, he picked out all the marshmallows. It was eight marshmallows. Yeah. Know. Well, that's that's what you're supposed to do. Right. That other <laughs> the cereal part is like pointless. It's all about the marshmallows. <laughs> of course, that's where all the flavor is. Yeah. I, like I rule with peanut butter Captain Crunch. That's my go-to. Okay. Yeah, it's always been like fruity pebbles or in the uh, yeah fruit loops and cinnamon toast crunch and. What about you know, Apple Jack? Wanna... Eh. No, it's got to be the no. Fruit Loop circles, not the Apple ones. I guess, yeah. I've never, I don't know if I've actually ever had Apple Jacks. That's why I made that sound. I was like, oh, I don't know if I've actually Brian. ever had them. Brian, you've had know. Apple Jacks. I have. Yeah. But Cinnamon Toast, Cinnamon Toast Crunch is a great choice. And then if you want to be bland, there's always Cheerios. Always Cheerios. But, you know, you can also get like... Chocolate Cheerios and fruit Cheerios and every, honey and nut Cheerios. Cheerios, banana yeah. Cheerios, you know, whatever you want. Back when I was a kid, it was Cheerios. And we had to put sugar on top of the Cheerios because it tasted like nothing. See, that's why you had to make it unblend. You have <laughs> you to, to add it. the sugar. That's the thing. So you, just, get, you, get, you get the Cheerios to not have the sugar from the other ones, but then you have to screw it up and put the sugar in. That's, that's, that's right. You do it. It's, but you can convince your parents, hey, it's not a bad sugary cereal, it's Cheerios. They would buy it for you, and then you would just saturate the shit out of it with sugar. And then you'd fix it, yeah. Then you'd fix it. All right, um, two last questions for you. One short, one long. The short one is, give us a song or artist we'd be surprised to hear that you like. Can I look through my phone? Yeah, absolutely. It is an open book quiz. Uh, maybe it'd be like Harry Styles or Shawn Mendes, something like that. Something pop-ish. Charlie Puth. 
Charlie Puth is really cool. He's got some amazing melodies and songs. I'll tell you right now, Sam, I'm sitting down in the lower level of my house with a life-size cardboard cutout of Harry Styles to the side of the room with me right now. I'm jealous. <laughs> it's, it's my That's... daughter's. <laughs> Nice. Oh, I, th I figured it was yours, but oh, that's cool oh, too. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I will say though, because my wife and daughter love Harry Styles, and they, they just they flew to New York last month to the for a day to Madison Square Garden to see him, and went back to the airport and flew out the next morning just just to see him in concert. But he's a very talented guy. I I like some of the songs, not all of it, but I will say talented, very much so. Very yeah yeah. I'm I'm not uh, you know the the genre of music does not matter to me i just you know if the melody and the song is cool i'll, I'll get hooked on it so and that's most of our guests on here that's what we hear we don't discriminate i used to don't say with a guilty pleasure and people would be like well music not a guilty pleasure if i like it i'm all right fine i'll say you know what are we surprised to hear a rock god guitarist is going to like charlie puth and harry styles and my daughter has seen both of those so you know you guys can go to a concert sometimes. You got like the same music. <laughs> nice. All right. Last question. It's the last first time guest. We always ask them this, but give us a good story from your time on the road. I know something stuck out in your mind as soon as I said, tell us a road story. Yeah, there's like 47 that just popped <laughs> into my head and I'm trying to narrow it down to one and it's making my head hurt. Uh, okay. And if, I'm just, hey, if crimes are committed, don't use real names and say allegedly. No, 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 no. I'm just going to tell you uh, some of what happened at the beginning of this last tour because this is the most fresh in my mind, and it's the the first thing that popped in my head. So we're going with that. So, uh, you know, right before the tour, broke my middle finger, and then before the tour. Uh, we finished rehearsals and the gear was freighted to the first show because we were going to be flying into the first show. Uh, day before, uh, day before we're supposed to fly, I get a call from our tour manager. He's like, Hey, can you look at the pictures of the pallets that I just sent you? And I'm like, he's like, can you identify what's on there? And I'm like, yeah, it looks like the case for my number one and number two guitars and it looks like my pedal board and it looks like one of my 412 cabinets and it looks like maybe the bass player's heads and it looks like oh that's the kick drum and he's like okay all of that stuff is not going to make it <laughs> oh no <laughs> all that stuff is not going to be at the first show mind you the first show was opening for shinedown at an arena in knoxville so it's like oh. okay so basically I luckily I'm a gear addict and I have a lot of pedals. Mm -hmm. So I threw together, I had thrown together another pedal board for the pussycat shows. And I threw in a couple other pedals uh, just to make the Dorothy songs happen and flew with another pedal board, flew with another guitar. Uh, two of the guitars showed oh. up, uh, but I need multiple ones for multiple tunings. And uh, so that was just, it was crazy. You know, we had partially rented gear. The bass player was even playing a rented bass because his main bass wasn't there. Uh, and he needed two basses uh, for the tunings and stuff. So he was playing a rented bass. Uh, drummer was on a full backline kit because he's like, well, the kick drum's not here. I can't use my kid. Uh, and so 
luckily my amps made it. That was the one thing that did make it. And uh, so that's how the tour started. And then it got better. So then the bus we were on blew out a tire on the way to Rocklahoma. So we drive into Rocklahoma with the bus slanted <laughs> like this. Obviously people can't see that. Uh, no. It's It was slanted. It was really just, it looked ridiculous. <laughs> and, uh, so luckily we were able to switch buses that night or the next day uh, with another band that was going home that our tour manager knew. And we had that bus for the rest of the tour. Uh, and then we blew out a tire on the trailer twice. So then near the end of the tour, we switched trailers. And uh, I think that's it. I don't think I'm missing anything. I think that's all that happened. So what went well on the tour? <laughs> Everything else. What worked? <laughs> Everything else. Once we got the gear, it was great. The next day, after the first show, we got the gear and it was and it was fine. And so you go into like major anxiety, like, oh shit, my one and two guitars aren't there. Not only am I not able to play oh, yeah. the first night, but are they actually going to show up at all? Oh, I had major anxiety. And that's always been my fear with the with yeah. these guitars, because uh, you know, you get so attached to them. And it's like, oh, okay, well, if I don't have my number one, I mean, I, I went with this other Les Paul, but it's like, oh, it's not the same. It doesn't do the same thing. It still does a cool thing, but, you know, that's the problem is trying to tour with gear that it's okay if something happens to, like in, in January, faster, we're going to be going to Australia. And I'm like, well, I'm definitely not going to fly with my number one and my number two guitars. I'm going to yeah, pick yeah. some other ones that if something happens, it'll be okay. So we just had um, a month or two ago, Larkin Poe on, you know, Larkin Poe, like sisters who do rock blues. Yeah. They, yeah. they went to Germany to do shows and TV shows and they're, they were, they're, they couldn't find their gear. None of it. I've heard it showed so up at the last words. minute, thank God. But they were on social media saying, hey, does anybody have access? I was like, holy, that, I mean, what the hell do you do? That's, it's really, it's always been a little bit of a, a fear. And that's just an, an element that you just have to deal with. It's, it's, you can't, it's hard to trust you know that thing well, now it's really it. tough air travel right there's not enough people it's over like it's really a problem so you're probably smart not taking your best guitars to australia with you yeah that's that's the thing you know even for these shows that uh doing we're doing a, a sh fly out show this weekend and a fly out show and then i'm doing a fly out show with another group the next weekend uh even then i'm kind of like kind of don't want to take my main guitars but then at the same time, the one this weekend, it's a it's a Dorothy show. And again, it's at an arena with the stirbs. I'm like, mm, okay, kind of have to have number one. <laughs> yeah. Well, even with Gibsons, you know, I'm a big Gibson advocate. I know you are worrying about the headstock breaking during travel, mishandled, bounced around. I mean, is that does that weigh on your mind too? Not really so much with this case that I have, this Enki okay. case. Uh, it has knock on wood served very well for the last few years even though the latch just broke on it from one of the stage hands uh breaking it 
So it, it does weigh a little bit heavy on the mind because I'm not exactly sure how I'm traveling with my guitars this weekend. But, uh, but uh, you know, my buddy Fitz says he has a, has a solution. So we'll see what that is. Well, and if I saw the announcement, Dorothy had something yesterday. I think she posted she was making an announcement today. What was the announcement? Because I missed it. I worked until I came to do this interview with you. Uh, I think it was know? that the, I think it was the Black Sheep music video being oh, released. Right on. Well, I'm video. not watching it. You're not in it. What, I mean, what do I care? <laughs> That's why I'm like, I, I think, because it's like, I, I didn't know. Not a new tour announcement or shows or anything specific, but that would make sense. That would be the music video. Yeah, it's 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 the music video, and that's just you know that's how stuff goes sometimes. the The guitar player in it though uh, was in the last two videos, so rest in peace and yeah. beautiful life. Uh, Nick Annis, he was the second guitar player, and uh, he's sometimes the second guitar player if they have a second guitar player. Usually, it's uh, it's just me, but when they have a yeah. second one, uh, it's Nick, and Nick is uh, really really badass. He's a great guitar player does a lot of indie work for Kesha and uh, Bad Wolves and all these all these bands he's he's somebody very very interesting um, well a lot of those shredders do play for pop stars I mean Nuno Betancourt yeah. from Extremes played with Rihanna we now have um oh gosh I'm blanking on her name um um oh gosh she's going to play with uh not Miley Cyrus she just left Alice Cooper Oh, Nita. Nita Strauss. Nita Strauss. Yeah. Yeah, with Demi Lovato. Oh, yeah, there you go, Demi. So it's 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 a it's a good gig, and and don't take this the wrong way, Sam. But if usually I'm watching a Dorothy music video, I'm I don't know who's playing guitar. I'm not really paying attention. That's the whole thing. No, that's the thing though. Uh, with Dorothy, it's it's still Dorothy, no matter who's playing guitar. Yeah. So, uh, luckily, uh, it's generally me. But if it can't be me they'll still you know show will still happen and they'll get a sub but uh that's it's still it's still hurt we had a different bass player on this last tour uh we've had a couple different drummers sub in since i've been with the group uh but you know it's still going to be as long as she's there it's still dorothy yes and we won't know who's the rest of the band is yeah Unfortunately, right. that's a reality that I <laughs> well, fully understand. <laughs> I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be very uh, PC here. Yeah. Sam, thank you so much for being on. Great to have you on, meet you, talk a little bit about your career. Where do we send our audience to go to find out more about you and all your projects and all your bands that you're in by yourself? Uh, on all social media, it's uh, at Sam Bam Colton. So k-o-l-t-u-n is how to spell my last name uh instagram facebook twitter uh i don't really do the tiktok but i think i have one and uh yeah but mostly instagram and facebook and you're one of those good guys on um social media who's like nice to everybody kind of like ace does and you know you interact very well with your fans and i think you gain a lot more fans through that Oh, well, thank you. That's not like anything that I just really think about at all. It's just so you're just like not a, an asshole and you're hiding it on social media. You're a really nice guy. I I would like to think so. I don't know. That's what I, that's what Midwestern I hear. Midwestern sensibility. You're from St. Louis, you my, the Midwest. Yeah. 
I can't tell you myself, but that's what I hear. So. <laughs> I'm an Ohio guy. I'm I get it. Like, you know, Midwest. There's a Midwest thing, man. There really yeah. is. Like anytime I find out somebody's from the Midwest, I automatically feel like differently about them, like in a in a better way. Like that's why I think Chad and I get along so well because Chad Stewart from Pastor Pusquette is also a Midwest guy. Uh, Dorothy's drummer, Jake Hayden, he's from Indiana. He's also a Midwest guy. Uh, a bunch of guys that I play with are uh, drummer for Butterside, Jeff Dubray. He's from Chicago. So it's always like, ah, there's something different here. We, we grew up with manners. <laughs> now, Brian, where do where are you concept. considered from? Because I'm in Columbus, Ohio. I grew up in Cincinnati. Brian is not from the mid. Is that you're not considered well, Midwest? It's are the you? upper Midwest. Well, don't leave Sam hanging. Tell him <laughs> uh, Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, or, see, yeah, that's you're something different. <laughs> the Northland. <laughs> <laughs> practically an Eskimo. I don't know. It's just that's cold South, and desolate. Southern Canada. That's up there. Yeah. So we got this guy from Fargo, North Dakota, who starts a podcast about blues and southern rock. It just it doesn't seem like that's a natural, but Brian loves the stuff. Hey, it happened out of necessity. You want to be part of a cool music uh community? It's not gonna happen here. You gotta make it in Fargo. It's, it's not gonna be given to you. Cyberspace. Yeah. <laughs> gotta make it happen but things are coming around here i mean blackberry smoke's been here and, and dirty honey and and blackstone cherry and tedeschi trucks and so and all of those groups are awesome mm -hmm. all right man thank you sam bam colton for coming on from uh faster pussycat dorothy butterside thank you so much for being on the podcast uh means a lot to us man thanks ah thank you guys for having me this was a lot of fun uh, I hope it's enjoyable. If anybody is still listening, I hope this was somewhat enjoyable. And, uh, thank you. Thank you to Sam Bam Colton for joining us uh, from Fastly Pussycat, Dorothy and Butterside. Um, like we mentioned in the intro, starting out playing in bars and very young and, and getting exposed to all sorts of different styles of rock and roll, which definitely uh, helps him very much getting gigs. And he's like you said, seems to be like a go-to guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, he he could play all the styles of music again from playing in all those cover bands at a young age. I think he he you know he's in that age of a lot of the emerging artists, or even the ones that just want to add a little young blood back into them. And just you know, he's a pretty cool, dude, man. I like I can see why he is a very desirable player. So you saw both Dorothy and Faster Pussycat, correct? That is correct within a couple months time period. Um, I don't, we didn't get into it too much, but like I wondered for him, like what the difference of being just the only guitar player and then being uh, in a band. He talked a little guitars. bit about that, but I will say from my standpoint of watching them with two guitar, like those guys were running all over the place and faster pussycat really putting on a show. And I think that type of music really, really opens the stage. To, to do those antics with Dorothy he got chances to shine and play his solos and do stuff but he's not running all over the stage being mm -hmm. crazy because D 
Dorothy's sort of, you know, what's your, what's your watch? And yeah, yeah. But I mean, the one thing when I was watching LA, LA guns, when I was watching them too, but pastor pussycat is how much fun all those guys were having on stage. Just, you know, it, it was good to see music where people look like they were really enjoying themselves. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, you know, but he, uh, he told us that Greg Steele, one of the original guitar players from, from faster said like, Hey, I mean, you guys got something going on that even we didn't have back, back in the day. That's gotta be a huge compliment. A super huge compliment for sure. You know, I mean, well done. It was a great show. I would a hundred percent watch faster pussycat by themselves. If they came by anywhere near me, I would absolutely go watch it. And Dorothy's great in concert too, man. She was, she, I mean, she is a, a, a rock force. She's got a great band. It was a, a great bill. I know I've talked about this in previous podcast, but it was a classless act and um, our friends and um, Joyous Wolf and then Dorothy. It was just a great, a great three band set of these up and coming young, true like rock bands, like guitar oriented rock bands. I, I was uh, looking at some live clips of, of Fester Pussycat from this year and I, I think <laughs> purely coincidental, but, but uh, Sam does the Charlie spin move. Oh yeah, with <laughs> the spice plane spinning around, yeah, yeah. yeah. yep. Cool. You know, it maybe he's a, maybe he's a Blackberry Smoke fan. We did not get into that. It's possible. Well, I think we briefly mentioned them. And said, we were talking about some other bands. We mentioned he goes, "Hey, they're all good bands." So, yep. All right, you guys. Always remember, Southern Rock is reverent. Blues is blood. We'll see you next time.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.